0: Hello and welcome to A Sunday Reflection. My name is Paul Harvey and this is Life, Passion and Business. We're about helping you explore, finding your passion for life and the work that you do. But it's so much more than that. It's about finding clues to the big life questions. What does it mean to be successful? What is the meaning of life? If you're looking for more, then join me on this journey, where together we will discover through interviews, tools and tips, how to live life full of meaning, passion and purpose. Hello and welcome to a not-so-short shortcast, because the topic today is money. So I'm giving away a recording from the event's Spirituality from Sarah McCrum as part of the celebration for the relaunch of her book, Love Money, Money Loves You, A Conversation with the Energy of Money. It comes out on the 19th, on Tuesday the 19th. So. And you see, the reason it's coming out again is because Sarah has revised and re-released this book because she feels it's, it's more important and more relevant than ever. And I agree with her. I mean, It's pretty obvious the world is in a bit of a pickle at this time, what with pandemics, wars and climate change and this talk of recession. How do you feel about money? Have you thought of having a conversation with money? And what would you say if you could? And how would you feel if it spoke back to you? See, that is what's on offer in this podcast, a conversation about and with money. Never has a topic been more loaded than talking about money. There's been times in my life when I've had lots of money and no money. And what I've come to realise is that how I feel about myself and about life is often influenced by how much money I do or don't have access to. Talk about power. We all have huge sets of thoughts and beliefs around money, and some of them are positive and some of them are negative. During my podcast interviews, we have the success question. and For many people, the measurement of success is often related to money. Society makes a big deal about access to money, how it's spent, used or abused. Now we have billionaires that get attention and access because of their money. But what actually is money? And obviously it's a promise of intention. It's a means of transaction. It's something that we use to communicate with each other. But we begin to see why money has such a fundamental effect on our lives, because it's almost everything that we do has a money component. If you've ever read any history about money there was a time when it was finite and in very short supply. In the middle ages interest called usury was a sin against God. It was only in the last 60 years with the formation of credit and the changing of how governments allowed banks to lend money that's completely transformed our world. We live at a time where money is almost infinite and that is the point. We live in a world where there is no shortage of money. So how do we make that work for us? That was a question I asked myself in 2020 during the height of the lockdown in the UK. We'd just come out of our last event, Reasons and Results, and that was about getting back into work and getting back to normal. Little did I know that normal would be another year away, but hey. That money question and conversation started rolling with my wife. We got talking about other things and links between spirituality and life. And the duality between one and the other, and we came up with an event called Spirituality. It was exploration of the relationship between people and their spiritual beliefs and the life they lead. But I knew I had to bring this conversation of money about into the into the into the program, and I was kind of guided pretty much to find Sarah McCrum, and that event was an amazing converse, set of conversations, and I'll get more about that in a moment. But. A brief history of Sarah. She was into energy medicine and meditation and she was offering stress and energy management in the city of London. The financial crash completely destroyed her business. So she was in a situation where she couldn't pay her bills or rent. And Some friends invited her and I think paid for her for a money boot camp. Now the boot camp did not work for her. However, she was given a book, How to Become a Money Magnet. Not having any work to do, She started doing the money exercises and it completely changed her life. She was driven to write the book about money. What she discovered on that journey is that money is an energy, a force for good. It is a loving, supportive energy that wants to help us. Plus, it's available to all of us when we open ourselves to the conversation. See, I did say this was about speaking to money. So the book is out on the uh, was published in 2018 and it's been re-released this week Tuesday the 19th. So I decided to share my conversation with you with Sarah from the spirituality event where she covers her story and you get a deeper understanding of her work. It's a brilliant conversation but there's more. There is a part 2 to this conversation where Sarah takes Cheryl and I through some practical exercises in speaking with money. Now, both of these conversations are normally behind the paywall on the spirituality event. So I would like to make an offer for you. If you buy the book and send me the receipt to paul at lifepassionandbusiness.com, a, receipt of the, a copy of the receipt of the purchase of that book, I will give you access to part two of this conversation that you're just about to hear. So let's join Money Talks Are You Listening with Sarah McCrunk. Welcome to an inspirational session, and I think this one is the one that many people have been waiting for. I am with Sarah McCrum. Now, Sarah is a teacher and an author who helps people transform their relationship with money. Money and spirituality is a huge subject, so I think we're going to have some amazing conversation at this point. So Sarah has been working with abundance and fulfillment and and generosity. She offers a practical and relaxed approach through her courses based on the principles of her book, Love Money, Money Loves You. Her work is founded on 30 years of personal practice uh, 22 years of tra- of training with Chinese masters and with two decades of coaching business owners and trend leaders Sarah has influenced the lives of tens of thousands of people worldwide to expand their consciousness around money and generosity. And as I said, spirituality and money are the two things that are so loaded. So this is going to be a really interesting, and it's loaded for me too. Absolutely. So it's going to be a fascinating conversation today. Um, yes, absolutely. So looking forward to it. So thank you, Sarah, for saying yes to me when I called.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me <laughs> giving me the chance to say yes.
0: Well, giving the chance to uh, yes, I, I think, yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I had to have someone on money on this subject, cause it was such, and it's such an important subject. So. Where do we start? Where do, where do where do we dig in with this? I mean, well, I mean, what's been your journey? How did you get to this place? That that's a good start, I guess. How did you make the decision that spirituality was your path, and how did it end up around generosity and money?
1: I would say, first of all, I, I never really made a decision that spirituality as such was my path. It mm. kind of emerged that there was a very spiritual dimension to what I was doing Mm -hmm. Um, but I I would never, and still to this day, would not label myself that way but other people label it that way How it came to money is an interesting story and I think it's worth telling the story because it makes sense of a lot of probably everything that I'm likely to talk about in answer to your questions Mm -hmm. So what happened was, back in 2010 um, I had a business failure in London, in the UK And it was a pretty miserable time, basically, and and I had no money. And I was um, persuaded by my friends to go to one of those money boot camp things. It's kind of like a weekend of platform selling of courses all about business and money. It was completely not my scene. But (laughs) while I was there, I got given a little book, which was called How to Become a Money Magnet. And because I had no work to do, because I had no business anymore, um, I just sat there one day doing exercises in this little book. And one of them said, what would money like to say to you? And so I started writing in my journal, and literally my pen took over from me and started writing for itself. And what it started writing was absolutely not my words. And and the first thing it said was, I would like to tell you to love me. And it went on and basically said to me over about two pages of writing, I, as in money I'm an energy I'm very beautiful and powerful I'm here to serve human beings I help connect you in your creativity you're too afraid of me I'm not the devil I never have been and it was basically saying all the time go on like engage with me take me use me pay with me do whatever you want with me and the last words it said were I will love you so being very British and very switched off from money on the whole, even though I had had a business, um, it was just a complete and utter and and touching, heart touching surprise to get this message. And that's really uh, what launched me into the whole thing about money. Um, with something of a journey after that, because I, I can't say that writing a message like that is an instant um, cure to all your money ills.
0: <laughs> no, it's just opening the door, isn't it? Really, it's just it's just the start of a journey of discovery, I would imagine. Uh, and also, exactly. writing—I mean, were you used to that kind of auto writing? That 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 no. itself—that itself is quite a, a a discovery. We've had a couple of people on 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 the on the program who have literally just opened the channel and then stuff started pouring through. So it, it it doesn't make you wonder, like, where's that coming from?
1: Well, I, having done that, what, what happened was I decided to try again the next day. And the same thing happened again. I said, oh, money, what do you want to say to me? And it seemed like money had quite a lot to say to me. <laughs> so I did that every day for months. And that's what turned into the book Love Money, Money Loves You. So it's actually purely money telling us all about itself, what it is really. How we can interact with it in a way that is way more relaxed, much easier, much more beautiful than what we're used to. How we've kind of got it all confused and upside down and and how to put things right. And so I learned how to do that and now actually I can do it quite easily and I could tune into something else and write in the same kind of way. But at that time I'd never done that. I'd done it a little bit just talking like asking an angel a question type of thing. but for writing like that was completely new to me so yes it it, it was very surprising somehow and a very beautiful experience actually mm-hmm.
0: how far away was this from your from your religious upbringing or or, or you know, where you were before prior to that
1: well my religious upbringing was pretty much my grandmother used to take me to church and i went to a fairly christian girls boarding school and we had chapel twice a day yes and i used to love i used to organize the music so that was my my spirit i can hear the girls
0: boarding school in your accent i think
1: yeah
0: (laughs) no it's fun fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad you see it that way (laughs) yeah i used to i used to organize the music and i found that probably did something spiritual for me it, it, in my teenage years that was yeah. really where i got to um, before i wrote the book i'd already spent 20 years it was about 20 years into training with chinese masters so that was learning all about energy um, a lot of it very in depth um, i was very engaged and that it was like my breakfast lunch and dinner kind of um, conversation and thought were all about energy but I don't personally feel that energy is spirituality. A lot of people do these days, but I see that there's quite a distinction between working with energy and spirituality, and I still feel that although there are, um, I mean, spirituality is in everything, so you can never take it out of anything. I can say spirituality is in my iPhone, it's in every aspect of our life, as is energy, but they're not, to me, the same thing. So, um, yeah, this was more of a kind of connecting with what you might call a spiritual aspect of money.
0: mm-hmm and how different uh, how, how how far away i mean what 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 was the previous business you were in? what was that what was that? Oh
1: that was all about energy it okay. was um when I started it, it was called the Energy Bank. It was actually a very cool business in London, right near all the banks. And it was designed to supply energy, literally like human life energy to tired bankers and, you know, city workers and, and people like that. So I was already in that field very much. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And so, so moving on, you wrote the book. And so and it's, 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 what's the journey of that? I mean, even just getting that book out into the world, I guess, must have been a journey in, in itself.
1: It was an interesting one because when I wrote it, I was still training with my Chinese master and she didn't want me to publish it. So I didn't feel um, that I should keep it to myself because it felt like it was a message that wasn't written just for me. So I actually originally published published it secretly under a different name, which was Joy Prospero. Um, And uh, I just didn't tell her that I did that. But I didn't dare to promote it and I didn't know how to promote it. And the interesting thing is when I wrote it, I remember that I had to make a calculation could I buy two author's copies for myself and I couldn't afford it and an author's copy costs about four dollars plus the postage so I really had no money um, I, I was right right on the edge this was having written the book um, so what then happened was I, I eventually left the training with my Chinese master and moved to Australia with my husband with no money, basically, just a little tiny bit of cash to get us started. And that's when I started to put it into action, because I had no option. It was either go and get a job in a part of Australia where I was never going to get a job, or make this book work. And so I, it was a, it was a real journey. It was learning from absolutely the bottom up. How do I pay my rent every week? What do I do when I haven't got the money for the rent? What do I do when I'm in a awful situation um, traveling in the world and then suddenly there's no money in my bank account how do I solve the problems and all the answers were in the book and so that's what I did is I learned it by making a lot of mistakes experimenting a lot practicing what was in the book misunderstanding it and understanding it and gradually getting a feeling of what money was really talking about uh, when it when it wrote
0: all of that for me Wow! Wow! I have to admit, I haven't read the book. I because I've got the book, but I haven't actually picked it up. Just just with all this going on, because I knew when we met, I thought was I need to read this book. But I've dipped in, but I'm not actually touched it. And in some ways, it's, I'm actually quite pleased I haven't, because it's quite ways. It's nice to have this conversation with you, completely fresh on it. So, but I am looking forward to getting into the book. So, all of our people watching, do check out Sarah's uh, speaker page because the, obviously the details of the book are there.
1: So and I would say, I just want to say on that, that a lot of people when they read the book have a very direct experience of the energy of money for themselves. It's not like a book that's about money, it really is money speaking d- directly, directly to you and there's a transmission in it because it's not Sarah's opinions about money. I, I was very pure and clean about it, I didn't put any thoughts into it myself at all. So many people start to get financial changes and results literally just by reading the book so it's actually i, I really recommend reading it because of that because it's a very powerful um very simple read
0: mm. well I, mean, I i was led to you by by dawn courthor who's one of our speakers here because she, she is very much been reading your work for a, for a while and her life has changed because of it uh and uh, so your name came up several times so as soon as we uh, we were looking at this we go there's got to be something about money in this so that's how your name came up uh and, interesting uh, it is it's is fascinating how the connections work so what about the world As so, yeah we we're in a strange strange time strange place everybody is in a new area i can't i don't want to say i don't want to use all the platitudes that they're all flying around because they are they are getting very worn but but yeah (laughs) how how do we deal with this kind of change from this perspective
1: well uh, the first thing i would say which really comes as much as anything from all my training in energy is any hardship that we experience in life it it can have the appearance of hardship but in my experience it is always without fail essentially an upgrade of our energy and as the new energy comes in old energy gets pushed out and that's often a very uncomfortable experience because we don't learn about energy and so we don't really understand what's happening we often think there's something wrong so sickness um financial Strife and struggle relationship struggle if we understood better. What was going on at an energetic level? We would never be afraid of those We would say ah there's new energy coming in. This is the old me Coming out we would relax about the whole thing so Fundamentally what's happening now as many people are aware, but sometimes it's hard to trust it there is a huge upgrade going on of our energy as a species I would say and I think the real challenge is the fact that there is so much ignorance about that that most people have really switched off there's a lot of apathy there's a lot of um, fear there's a lot of confusion and those tend to make they they first of all make the whole experience worse and they also mean that you don't really get the full benefit of the upgrade it's kind of like saying here's an upgrade help no 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 don't touch me leave me alone I don't want this I don't understand it I don't get it I'm going to cover myself and kind of that's what's happening so in terms of the um, energy of money and what I've learned the fundamental thing is to engage with what you're creating through your life and so my work is very much dedicated, I would say, to what is it? What's the way that I can be most effective? What can I create through my life that feels good to me? And if it feels good to me, it's probably gonna feel good to other people do too because that tends to be how we feel good. And I keep myself very much focused on what I'm creating. I have genuine questions myself about you know when are the times to say no stop it's like it's one thing to create new solutions I feel very happy about doing that but I do feel there are times when we need to say no this is not okay what's happening right now is not okay and I think we all have to find our own personal boundaries around that and know what know when to say that mm. and th- those are the kinds of questions that are coming up for people now like what do I do with my life and what do I say yes to, and what do I say no to? These are tangible, practical
0: things every single one of us needs to deal with. That's one thing that's very clear to me is that, is that we have been on a on, on a roller coaster for years, where everybody has just got into this mindset of like oh, work, eat, sleep, repeat, watch Netflix, hope life gets better, carry on, do this, do that. There's this this pattern of, and if you say to any one of those people at that time, you know, what would be perfect? What would be a perfect solution for you in terms of your daily life? well, maybe not working quite so much, having more time at home maybe, uh, spending more time with the kids maybe, you know, doing some more of that they, What they would have said that they wanted, they pretty much got over the last few months. And that's maybe. the
1: fundamental principle of the book, that we yeah. will actually get exactly what we want. It's not always what we cognitively with our minds want, but really what our hearts want, we mm. get. And also, I remember, I don't know if you remember, but last year, especially the media went crazy about climate change. More, before it was like on this slow path of adoption and suddenly last year, everything was climate change. Every little thing that happened, it was like the end of the world and climate change. And it struck me very strongly when the whole COVID thing hit and there was this massive reduction in pollution all over the world. It's like, wow, did we manifest that as well? This rapid, rapid, uh, reduction in pollution um, i thought it was a very fascinating thing at least proving how it's possible
0: yes yes and proving that and what it also proved is that even with this massive reduction it's still not going to be enough to actually turn the thing around it, it, it's going to need to be a bigger reduction that was that was what i always thought was interesting uh...
1: And and also another nice thing perhaps is that because a lot of people are at home now, from Mm -hmm. what I understand, that people are paying more attention to their home, more attention to their gardens, Um, so simple things that do actually make a difference if we do them well. So I think we do have a chance to to calm down and contribute a little bit more in some very simple ways Mm. that are worthwhile. Mm
0: so how does the world put itself back together because obviously every country in the world is going into massive debt so, you know so money again will be in the nudes. we don't have any money we spent it all that we don't have
1: <laughs> well that's a big question um so first of all it's not actually ever true that we don't have any money because money is an energy right and um, it's an energy that that flows through all of human society. And if you think about it, this is a really silly example and when I tell you it's really obvious but most people don't ever think about it this way. If I gave you a hundred dollar note, for example, Mm -hmm. um, because you provided me with a hundred dollars worth of services or product, whatever it is, I've got a hundred dollars worth from that note. You then pass that note on to somebody else because they've given you a hundred dollars worth of services or products. So that 100 dollars is now done 200 dollars worth of work, so to speak, and they pass it on to somebody else, and there's another hundred. So 100 dollars that's flowing is worth potentially millions. It just depends how fast it flows, how quickly it gets up into the millions, literally. And we don't tend to realize that. We tend to think, oh, here's 100, that 100 is just 100, and that 100 goes from one person to the next to the next. But actually, economy, um, money is a flow. And therefore, as long as we keep uh, doing things for each other, contributing to each other, uh, the energy of money is always in flow. And what happens in a situation like this is that people shrink back, they stop contributing they get nervous, they stop buying contributions from other people and so the whole thing slows down. But actually it's a kind of illusion as far as I'm concerned because ultimately that money money energy is there anyway. Even if there was no money, no cash in any bank accounts anywhere, that energy still works. And if there's something that I want really with my heart, there is always a way for that to be delivered to me. And that's fundamentally what the money energy is all about. Mm -hmm. So as long as we go on wanting to have experiences, to have things, to have whatever it is we want to have, and we we go on contributing to each other's, uh, the fulfillment of each other's wishes, that that money energy will always be in action. At a practical level, um, I'm involved in a business that is Creating a new new ways for people to make money. So, for example, if you contribute to society by taking care of your health and well-being, there's a value to that. It's not just the value to you because it makes you feel good. There's a value to employers, value to the government because you're healthier, you cost less, you contribute more, and so we're, we 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 have created a way whereby people can actually receive literally cash or shares they can kind of create an asset out of their health and well-being also out of for example improving the environment which is a good thing to do Um, things that have previously not had any financial value so we're putting a financial value on that there's a lot of money washing around in the world that doesn't quite know where to land there's a lot of money that's available to invest in ecological and social improvement and it's not finding the businesses to get invested in. So we decided we wanted to solve that problem and we, just, we actually just launched last week. So we're, we're in a very exciting phase, I think, of some new, uh, new ways of operating around money that reflect uh, more conscious values, I would say.
0: I mean, do you see uh, that the, the kind of system that you use there could be no poverty would that completely take it away or does it always have to be that level of poverty does it always have to be a, you know some very wealthy and some very poor people
1: i think there'll always be variation because not everybody wants the, the same kinds of experiences but i don't yeah. see any problem with that but i don't think we have to have poverty I, I think it's absolutely unacceptable that we have human beings who don't have enough to eat not because they've made a choice to starve themselves but because of various circumstances, um, often imposed by other countries, essentially. Um, Literally citizens of those countries do not have the absolute basic necessities like clean water, um, a decent food supply. I know that these things are changeable. Um, the, The business that I just mentioned, not my part, but another part of it is working with farmers in Ethiopia who've been regenerating their land for 30 years and have literally brought it back to life. These kinds of things are happening all over the world. And so we know that it's possible to regenerate land, to provide enough food for everybody, to prevent poverty. But it takes a will, you know, we actually have to be willing to create models of business and of engagement with each other that supports what to me is just the most obvious thing. It's totally obvious that people should not live in imposed sickness and imposed poverty.
0: Yeah, you're touching on geopolitics and those sort of areas of of of, of geopolitics, which is manipulation of markets and that sort of stuff that was, that's been going on for years. Yes, and what you're talking about is 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 a, is a new paradigm of it, which is certainly. Needs and to I change. think what's
1: important is to realise that we can feel victims of geopolitics. We can feel like these are the forces that are too big for us to to do anything with. Yeah. And I hear people all the time saying things like, "Well, there's no point in my saying anything because nobody will hear me." Well, I won't make any difference. But I don't believe that. I believe that if we do say things, people hear, and you never know where it might go. And if we say, yeah, no, that that problem should be solvable. How could we solve it? It's very possible that you'll actually come up with a solution. And that's really all it takes. And again, that's what I learned from the energy of money. Essentially, whatever you want can be delivered your job basically is to want things this is what it says it says you you need to want things it's not just wanting to have more and more I don't know toys but it's also wanting solutions for big problems and it's also to create conditions within you whereby you can receive and that means being relaxed it means enjoying rather than you know being miserable or working too hard or the things that we often think are okay and it means love like love your life love what you're doing love money Just kind of live a life that is full of love and and abundance, that makes you very responsive and receptive to the energy of money, and it's the energy of money that enables your wishes to be fulfilled. It's a very naive language, but it's pretty much exactly what it is. And so if your wish happens to be about, I don't know, solving poverty or hunger or something, you're gonna end up creating solutions in that direction.
0: I think that's the thing about having a wish or being clear about what you want. That's come through from other people about being clear about what it is you desire. Yeah. So what was the story for you? What happened for you? Obviously you came to Australia with nothing and you started working with these principles. Is there, is, is is there a journey, a story there?
1: Um, I would say the first couple of years was always, um, I, I often think of it this way for a while, My bottom level was was a kind of $20. I could rely on there being $20 in my bank account, but everything else I had to kind of go and find. And I remember the point where it was $200. It always seemed to go in multiples of 10. I remember I I was actually quite conscious suddenly. I knew that I would never worry again about $200. Sounds very small amounts of money, and that's what it was. I was really living on the edge for a while while I was learning this. But we were always okay. We always paid our rent. We always got the money that we needed, sometimes just in time, once or twice just after time, but it was okay. We did it, and that's the point. And then, you know, it went from 200, I remember getting to the point where it was 2,000, and it's like, oh, I'm never gonna really worry about that anymore. I know that I can always rely on having that much money, and it sort of goes like that now. Just a month ago, I moved into a farm. We just bought a farm, um, and that's, you know, coming from nothing all the way to buying a 75 acre farm. So now we we have different challenges in terms of money and everything else because now we have to invest in our farm and uh, do Mm -hmm. new things that we weren't doing before. So it's been that kind of journey of being patient, enormously patient, making mistakes. Um, The biggest thing for me was getting stuck in cycles which would sometimes last for a month or two or three where I got caught in this, I can't afford it, kind of mentality where everything I looked at I said I can't buy that because I can't afford it and then I would not make any money and so I'd have to carry on saying I can't do that because I can't afford it and I wouldn't make any money and every time I broke out of that by saying you know what I can afford something I'm going to buy something that's not the cheapest and that's not the minimum and the minute I started to treat myself a little bit better everything opened up and it started to So one of the very big things that I've had to learn and still have to learn, you know, I still have to come back to this at different levels, is that I am a part of it and that self-denial just doesn't work.
0: Where does it sit on the other end, that hugely wealthy end of money? People who are extremely wealthy, who will think nothing of, you know, spending thousands on a meal or, or spending thousands. Where, where, does it, where does the energy of money sit in that kind of place?
1: In the book, it says that we've all fundamentally misunderstood money. Um, and, and it's quite interesting from that perspective. And it, and it does say if you think that you can control the world through money, it's like you're crazy or you'll go crazy in the end trying to do that. So don't ever, ever imagine you can control money or you control things through money. But what I see, I think, you know, if people spend thousands of dollars on a meal, that's something to celebrate. That's a restaurant with workers receiving generous money for doing a beautiful job. All of that money goes to people who are working. So I always think that whenever we pay for something, if people say to me sometimes, oh, I can't get that, that's so frivolous. I think that the person who's selling that frivolous thing probably has kids just like you do. Mm. And when they sell their frivolous thing to you, you are giving them some money which enables them with dignity to make choices about their life and when we go to the supermarket even when we buy things that I would personally not want to put money on you know I'm not somebody who's likely to invest in arms for example or something like that but still the reality of it is that money is constantly serving people and a lot of what it does for people is enable them to pay their bills and get their kids to school and do all these very ordinary things now obviously we make choices about what we put money into and our choices take energy for things so if I say if, if I buy I don't know pesticides and and chemicals for my farm I'm kind of putting energy into that way of farming so I make a choice I've just bought A lot of compost and mulch because we had to get started quickly and it's all organic and it's all beautiful stuff so I make those choices and then I give my energy to the people who are producing those kinds of products so how we make decisions around money is basically what we do with our energy because money is energy it's entirely up to us money actually has no opinion about what we do with it but it does clearly see that there are decisions that we can make that make us feel better, and decisions that make us feel worse. It's up to us whether we want to feel good or not.
0: I mean, yeah, there's that. Um, I, I saw a cartoon of it somewhere. I think, uh, <clears throat> which was so a while why. If money was a person or an individual, it'd be very wounded because you know, the kind of the, the anger and hate that gets thrown towards the, towards this this entity is huge. And yeah, you, luckily money is not a person you, and so it's you wouldn't not treat a person like this you wouldn't treat an individual like this
1: you never would and, and I have really learned from the book to see it as a relationship with money but the beautiful thing and this links back to the whole spirituality topic that underlies uh, your event is that money is not a person and it's never hurt actually it really is an energy of love and of it's like the endless generosity of life. That's how I see it. It's a But very you just beautiful... touched on it, didn't
0: you? You said the energy, is, the energy of love, and yet it yet used to do some horrible things. You know, it's the, the war machine is well, paid for with money, of course.
1: Yes, but that's not because of money, that's because of us. If you think about it, there are many things. You know, we can love a person and be really, really mean to them. Right. People okay. love their children, and sometimes terrible things are done to children yes so the most precious most lovable parts of life nature and you know that pretty much every human being is touched by nature and loves nature and yet we do things that are really unconscionable to nature so it's not the money itself that determines what we do with it it's like an endless supply of loving energy in our life generous Mm -hmm. loving energy what we do with that energy is a whole different thing. And this is the difference between my book and most other books about money and energy. Most people say it's a neutral energy and it's up to you what you do with it. I agree that it's up to you what you do with it, but it is not neutral. It is love, it is generosity, it is beauty um, in absolute abundance. And when you know that and you start to experience that in a tangible way That's what really changes your relationship with money, because you realize that it can't let you down.
0: So how did we get so stuck in this idea of a spiritual life is a kind of sort of semi monastic or semi sort of like this idea of spirituality is poverty. How did we get stuck in that?
1: I don't know if I can answer that question fully. I suspect there is some geopolitics at play. Well, there. there's definitely
0: some geopolitics, religious, political stuff going on about that one because it keeps the people yeah. in the right place and you know, and the world of the Middle Ages. I'm suspecting and that kind of era. Yeah. And certainly, the class system. It... Certainly the class system used it a lot in terms of you know. Yeah. Know your place.
1: <laughs> I, I, I do think that, um, however, it got to be there religion and spiritual traditions across the world have contributed to this very profound conflict that most of us now experience between essentially what i think of as virtue and money if you think of christianity certainly from my um twice a day chapel experience at boarding school and everything else that i learned when i was a child and these are the things that make the strongest impression on us Mm. i Mm. would say From Christianity, it's better to be poor, you're likely to be virtuous if you're poor, it's very risky to be rich, Jesus could be angry with you, you won't get into heaven, so you're absolutely basically damned if you're rich.
0: And has that problem, isn't it? The rich man can't pass through the eye of the needle or something. It's harder
1: for a rich man it's harder for a camel a rich man to for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle for than for no, it's the Mm. other way around anyway, but yeah, exactly that. If you look at Buddhism the buddhism i'm sure it's not the heart of buddhism but certainly what the popular understanding and many practitioners have in buddhism is giving up all desire so that means you don't want anything material complete denial of materiality actually and then the the virtuous buddhist is a monk with a begging bowl actually constantly asking for money but in total denial of money no relationship with money but begging all the time like what's that about or you have the monk sitting, these are stereotypes or archetypes, but they're very strong because they They associate virtue and being close to God or close to purity or close to joy or experiencing inner peace or love, the divine love or freedom. They're all associated with poverty, not in Judaism. And so the Jews got a different thing. They're hated for their attitudes to money because they're actually much more comfortable with money. (laughs) but they've got their own story um, you know around all the lending and stuff like that and Shakespeare contributed something to that I'm sure so I just think that this schism between virtue and money has become so deep that, that what I see is that people who do make money because they have a family they feel responsible and they know they need to make money and they want to give their family a good life often have a very deeply held guilt. It's almost like a little part of them is worried that they might have sold out, or sold themselves to the devil, and we even have that expression, just because they make money. And then you have people who I meet a lot of who are spiritual, or purpose-driven, or good people in one way or another, and they find it almost impossible to ask for money for what they do. They massively undercharge, many of them don't charge at all, and they live in really quite appalling poverty, like middle-class, well-educated American, British, Australian women especially, but also men who are in such denial of money because it might sully their virtue, really, underneath, sounds very old-fashioned and dramatic but i think that's what's going on i I think they're just unable to to go for it i've been there
0: i have definitely been there my relationship with money is fair to middling i think and Mm -hmm. my life has had this kind of constant flow in in either direction sometimes we are good and we are not good and often my relationship with it is i think poor I, i i Definitely need to put the time into it in your book.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. One of the, something that's interesting about that is that there's your relationship with it and then there's the amount of it. Um, I work with people's relationship <clears> with money. You can have a good relationship with money and not have very much by choice or it might be just at the moment, you know, your circumstances are such that you're not that engaged with money. You can have a good relationship with it and have a lot of money. Definitely having a lot of money and having a bad relationship is a form of living hell and having very little money and a bad relationship with it is another form of living hell. So I think having bad relationships is, is a hellish experience on this planet. Having a good relationship with money, it improves all your other relationships, interestingly, you, some, you somehow get better at love if you had a good, have a good relationship with money. And But the point for me is that it then gives you freedom to choose What do i want to do with this relationship do i want to create a lot of wealth and do a lot of good in the world do i want to create a really successful business that changes people's lives do i want to live a really simple life do my garden and you know make some nice clean air and clean vegetables it's really up to you and there are no rules anywhere from money or anywhere else that say what you should do but to me me to have peace in the relationship, to make the choices that feel right to you, and then to be able to fulfill on those choices. That is a beautiful freedom. And I think that's what this is really about.
0: Mm. So at the beginning of this, you mentioned that the, you had the different view about energy and, and, and money. Can you say a little bit more about that? Or is that is that, is that a very long in conversation? Energy
1: and spirituality. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> so um, energy... For me, and everything's made of energy. Yes, we know that now.
0: We are. Yeah, all the same material. Yeah.
1: And energy always has a duality in it. The Chinese call it yin and yang. You can call it positive and negative. Sometimes um, it's almost like we forget about that, but even in higher vibrations of energy, there's still this yin and yang. It's always yin and yang. My experience of spirituality is that It's different from that that there is um, there's an absolute that sits inside all of the movement all of the light and the darkness so many people who work with energy they want more light and less darkness actually the Chinese always taught that yin and yang are always balanced and therefore the light and the dark will always be balanced just as night and day is balanced on this planet across the whole planet always and good and bad, hot and cold, whatever range you take, there will always be balance. And we actually can't escape from that. That's the nature of material life. And that's where we are as human beings. But with that, the way that I would describe it is there's a kind of light that is not opposed to darkness it sits in the darkness it illuminates the dark the same as it illuminates the light so it's rather like if you imagine a room and the light's turned off but there are all these things in the room and they're different colors maybe it's got a dark floor and it's got pink sofa and it's got i don't know black curtains or something when you turn the light on none of those colors change you've still got black curtains and a dark floor and a pink sofa but you can see them so we need the light and the dark, we need all these contrasts, that's what makes life a rich experience. Inside of that is the spiritual experience which is an illumination of the light and the dark that doesn't deny either. And I feel that a lot of people who've, who are studying energy, which is a very powerful, important topic to, to study, have... Think what they should be doing is creating more light and less dark and it's that light that actually will always be in balance with the dark so that's why i distinguish between energy
0: and spirituality at a very simple level i think there's a there's a whole conversation there may be a whole book in there sarah maybe (laughs) thank you paul Uh, sorry
1: (laughs) it's very generous of you to suggest that
0: it does sound like quite a big topic a big topic that one could explore it's a
1: very very beautiful i think it's a very powerful topic for human beings and i i actually really feel we need this we need gradually to understand that that even in our suffering is the light it's, you know, because we reject so many experiences, and more and more people, I think, are finding that actually when they don't reject their experience or they don't reject themselves, but they really allow themselves to experience it, that light comes through. And, and extraordinary things happen in very dark places. Um, we've touched and, and on this. And I right. to,
0: yeah. Definitely yeah, I touched wouldn't on want this. to
1: deny that.
0: No. I mean, yeah. we've we touched on this. I mean, one of the conversations with, with, uh, with Vic, Dr. Vic, uh, was the, uh, the thing about, you know, you, you can't have a world where you a- always get the best score in golf. You won't go and play golf if you just got the best score all the time. You cannot have a world where everything just goes up and up and up. There has to be the journey backwards and forwards.
1: And also, if you've got the best score, it means everyone else hasn't, and so they can't be on the same journey of having the best score, you know? It just but if everyone got
0: the best score, possible. wouldn't it, would, 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 you know, if everyone played golf? There'd be, golf, be no
1: golf. There would everyone, be no gone. Gone. Oh,
0: look, oh, another, another, another perfect round. Okay. What should you do now then?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it, it's so important. And, and I think we've is, somehow yeah. just, cr- I've actually worked with people who've gone on a very extreme kind of search for energetic purity. Um, sometimes as a result of doing maybe ayahuasca or some kind of um, uh, substance-based experience, spiritual experience, and the consequences have been so horrific, like I'm the person who's had to come and help to clear up the mess, because what happens is the more you go for those extreme or peak quasi-spiritual experiences, the more balancing experiences you create in your life and many people I meet now um, are struggling with that it's also the same with cleansing a a, a lot of people are on a kind of energy cleansing thing and I'm increasingly meeting people who, who say whatever I clean something else just comes in and they're on an emotional roller coaster and this comes out of this confusion between energy and spirituality I think and we need to learn a lot more about energy and how it really works because that's not to to me and what I've learned if you spend all your life cleaning out it's like giving yourself an enema every day and never eating any good food you'd be far better to concentrate on eating good food and you probably won't need the enema you might do it once a year if you're that way inclined but if you give yourself an enema every day it's going to mess really badly with your system in the end.
0: You have to accept the gritty bits. That's the point, isn't it? You have to accept it all.
1: Well, and in the gritty bits, there's some um, gold to be found always. Some of the most beautiful gold is found in the grit in life. Mm. And to deny the gritty bits or to be afraid of them is actually to stop yourself from experiencing exactly what it is that you're longing for. And that's why it's so important.
0: Well. Uh, Will Pye, one of our one of our speakers, he had uh, spent years uh, doing various spiritual practices, partly to release himself from depression, and then ten years later, he was diagnosed with a very severe brain tumor. And it's like, and for him, it was, oh, this is interesting. That was what how it how it landed with him. And he, I mean, he had a ten year training to get through this, and he got through it and got through it better than anyone else would have got through it because he had all this training prior to and knew what to do afterwards so. I see
1: that quite often actually I, I see people somebody just recently who started doing a course in a, with me in a few weeks afterwards she had dis- discovered that she had a really serious problem with her shoulder and it was like oh ok now I know what to do, I know how to heal because when we heal our relationship with money we actually it's the same as healing your body and she just told me yesterday oh yeah the physio is like how did you do that? Because she's made so much more progress than she should have done. And and so, yes, absolutely. I, I think that that's exactly, that's exactly why this kind of knowledge is so important.
0: We have a few stories like that around this event. We have a few stories, yes, some mm-hmm. amazing stories. So look, Sarah, we have been talking for a while and like I, I can talk, so I know, and, I, and I'm very excited to talk to you, but I think I do have to draw a line at some point. So. If we're coming to an end of our conversation together, what would the last thing you'd like to say? What would, what would you say if you want to add anything more to this conversation?
1: Now, there's a little uh, saying that I use a lot as a reminder <clears throat> to people about the essence of the relationship with money that really works. I even have mugs printed and it just says, relax, enjoy, love. And those three words, they're repeated all the way through the book. and if you can relax and enjoy and love even a bit more than you do already it will immediately improve your relationship with money that's simple it's doable it's rewarding and it's also memorable relax Mm. enjoy love that
0: sounds perfect that sounds absolutely perfect well so you are going to do one of our empowerment sessions which i'm so delighted about and will be very popular i'm sure so i'm so looking forward to experiencing that with you I hope you found some value in that conversation. Do check out the book. It is available on Amazon. The links are on the show notes. Remember to send me a copy of the receipt to paul at lifepassionandbusiness.com and I will send you access to part two of this conversation. That is it from me for this week. I will be back on Wednesday with Charles Reed. He has a payroll company. He's been in that business for 40 years and he's still as passionate about it as he was in the beginning. So how do you stay motivated for that long? It's a great conversation. So hit subscribe so you don't miss it. And you can find out more about that on Wednesday. In the meantime, as always, thank you so much for your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.